Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, educating the investors of the South Shore and the Merrimack Valley. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I feel like I sound fuzzy, but is that just my headphones sound fuzzy? Okay, we're good. You sound marvelous, Alyssa. Thank you, Tim. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We are going to do some financial planning today with a real live volunteer, which is always a very fun show. Um, So, of course, we have changed her name. Um, So this morning we have Bridget. Good morning. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I, I, when I saw um, my coworker, who we were just chatting about, who's wonderful, who was helping, you know, to get your data and, and so that I, we could be prepared for the show, and she had written down your stage name, and I said Brigitte. <laughs> I'll go by Brigitte or Brigitte, either yes, one. She said, "Well, I think it's Bridget, but if you want to go with Brigitte on the air, that's fine." Um, so, good morning. Thank you so much for being here. I really do appreciate having a live volunteer because we can crunch numbers all day long and run hypothetical models, but it's really, really great to work with someone in some actual data. And um, so we're literally, as I was just explaining to you off air, um, we're literally going to run through the same process that we run with clients in our office. Um, we're just doing it in studio versus in office. And instead of having my larger screen to share, we're sitting next to each other, getting all cozy so we can share um, my laptop screen. Uh, this is a call-in talk radio show. So if you're listening on the South Shore, 781-837-4900. Um, if you're listening on uh, 980 AM CAP in Lowell, you can always email us questions, which is questions at 
McNamaraonmoney.com and we will answer them live on air. Um, all right, so we are going to get started. So basically, um, and again, this is this is the same process that I go through with people in office, um, which is, you know, the, step one is the data gathering process. So I need, a, in order for me to create a financial model and, and actually a retirement plan for someone, um, we need a whole bunch of data. And so we've, you know, over time embraced software and technologies and things like that to make that data gathering process as easy as possible. The old school um, uh, way of gathering data was literally like a four page questionnaire and people handwriting, you know, all their numbers. And that totally still works for the people that want to do that. But um, with Bridget, we were able to um, just give you a link to a password protected insecure um, folder and you were able to drop electronic documents in there and I was able to see them and um, and create the model. So what I do in advance of a meeting or today's show is I, I put a whole, I put all the numbers that I have available to me in the software, but then I do like to kind of go through screen by screen and talk it out just to make sure that um, nothing has changed, to make sure that I'm interpreting things correctly. We didn't make any key in errors and so I, we're going to spend the first part of today's show. Um, I Scrubbing data, for lack of a better word. Um, you, you're a numbers person as well, Bridget. And so you'll appreciate this process to make sure we have everything all accurate. And I actually tend to get very detailed um, when, I, when I go through this data um, the data scrubbing process, which which I think is it, which is a very good thing. I think I think we'll get along just fine. We're gonna get along just fine. The people that uh, my clients that aren't quite numbers people, I think I I lose them a little bit through this process. But I assure them this is all in your best interest because if we don't have good numbers, we can't create an accurate. I mean, we want to create a model as accurately as we can today. So we are gonna get along just fine. And I of course printed out everything that. Um, you had so, so even though we're in this electronic world, I actually did I did print some paper, but I promised to recycle it. <laughs> um, alrighty, so let's get started. So um, as you can see, Bridget, this is the software that I use. I just pulled it up. There's really nothing to be seen right here on this screen. But um, so the first thing we're going to do is make some broad-based assumptions for your plan. So this is your plan and you get to make whatever calls and whatever assumptions you wanna make. So some broad-based assumptions are like an inflation rate going forward. And so this software will give us a little bit of, inf a lot of information regarding historical rates of inflation. So um, you can see that this chart here is a hundred years worth of inflation data and inflation has averaged 2.85% in the last hundred years. So very long, but you can see there's there were periods of time where we had deflation, periods of right. time where we had crazy high inflation, and then a lot of relatively normal times in the two to three percent. In the last twenty-five years, uh, we've inf inflation has averaged about two and a quarter percent, and in the last decade, inflation has been low. And I, I don't think we should use this as an assumption. Ten years is still mm -hmm. pretty short period of time, but inflation's been uh, very low at about a percent and a half in the last decade. Mm -hmm. um, so, so first assumption is what do we want to? And 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 I'll just back up a second and any assumption we make right now is super easy to come back and change. You'll see as we walk through the software that we can just, in a matter of a click or two, come back and change anything and remodel using new numbers. Um, so generally speaking, I would ask that I would encourage someone to assume something in the two and a half to 3% range for inflation. Someone that wants to use a high number for inflation is, is a little bit perhaps pessimistic and is running a very, in a more conservative model. And someone that wants to use inflation on the lower side is a little bit more optimistic. Um, and the model might not be quite as conservative. 
Um, so I would go two and a half to three percent. Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, why don't we start with three percent and yep. see how it turns out, and then maybe later we'll switch it to two and a half percent. That's perfect. Yep, and and I do that sometimes. Where you know sometimes we sort of get to the end, and someone's plan is like right on the cusp of looking very successful, and I'm like, okay, well if inflation, well if inflation is let you know average is less than three percent, let's just rerun it. Not that we can really control that, um, but it's nice for them to see you know sort of the range of success rates of their plan based on these variables that you can't control and how they change over time. Okay, so we use 3%, we can always come back. Um, retirement date and life expectancy. My my life expectancy is 100 years old. I took a test online. Did you, did you really? Okay, so literally no one has ever been prepared for that question and has said my life expectancy is. <laughs> uh, so we are going to get along just fine. Yeah, most people are like, oh, I have no idea. But, you know, going based on your, um, you know, longevity and your family and exactly. health, of course, and things like that. So that's amazing that you have taken a test online. So we will use 100, not the first person to use 100. Software will default to 90. When people use less than 90, like, some people kind of want to use 80 or 82 and I, I just get a little bit nervous and um, you know, you don't want to create a model that's um, that's, that gives you like a false sense of security. And so the, and when you model with a, an age, a younger age and you outlive it, then that's uh, well, not a great way to model, I guess. So hopefully this is realistic and hopefully conservative. Um, <clears throat> how about retirement? I know we're going to get to your income in a moment. You just had a, a job change, which we'll model. Um, but how about any inclination? My goal would be 56. Okay, 56. So that is five years from now. Correct. Okay. Um, perfect. Good thing we have some non-retirement assets to work with, which we'll get to in a moment. So anyone that, I'll just touch on it really briefly, um, anyone that that is anticipating or hoping to retire before age 59 and a half, you need to either have, you need to plan for either having some sort of fixed income like a pension, if you're a municipal employee or teacher or something like that, um, that will kick in before 15 and a half or non-retirement assets. So that be, you're not, you're not uh, bumping up against tax penalties to take dollars out of retirement accounts before 15 and a half. So uh, Bridget is well positioned for that. And we'll get to that in a moment. We're skipping ahead a little bit. So, okay. Retirement at 56, life expectancy of hundred. That's a 44 year period of time to plan for. So I'm glad we're sitting here Love, planning. Right? Yep. Good. Well, we, uh, <laughs> I don't know yet. I'm thinking I'm, I'm optimistic for you, Bridget. But. All right. Um, let's get to, um, I like to jump to cash flow next, which is your income now, your income in the future, um, your expenses now roughly, and your expenses in the future. This is something that we are going to kind of work through together and spend some time um, getting the expenses in there. I wasn't able to do that 100% accurately in advance of the show, but that's okay. Um, so the income number I had for you was your prior Mm -hmm. position. So I'm going to, what, what is your gross income now with your new job that you're starting in the coming? Well, this is a good question for you because it's based on, um, a core salary plus a commission. So okay. it's not something that mm, you so it's variable. Yeah. Right. Correct. So I'm not sure how you want to model that. Um, tell me the breakdown. So it's 100K yeah. as, for the base and 100K for the commission. Okay. And do you, um, in the first year or two, what is, how optimistic are you that you would hit the 100K commission? I would say I would 
bet more on maybe 85. In the first year? Yes. Okay. And then working to 100 in the, by year two or three? Yes. Okay. And then, uh, so yeah, let's put that in. So the, the income that I had in there for you prior at about 135 base, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to, I'll just keep it in there, but I will actually, hold on, what year? Yeah, I'll keep it in there, but I'm going to stop it as of when you left that previous mm -hmm. position. And then I'm going to add your new, what? Oh, this is 2020. You know what? I was wondering if I did a 2020 plan, which I did. So the fact that your income changed in 2019 is actually irrelevant for the plan that we're doing because I'm running a 2020 plan. So let's just do your base for 2020, 100,000. This is 2020 and that will go to retirement. Okay. Yeah, the um so this is your annual um, amount. So you're you're, you're probably Go paid bi-weekly, which we can do. It'll just break it down into a monthly or a bi-weekly income. Okay. But yeah, we still have the the annual amount is a hundred. Um, we'll come back to inflation on in a minute, but let me just put in the commissions. So if I have a category for a commission, but tax is the same as salary. Commission. So for the first year, 2020, we'll do 85,000. And then by 2021, should we bump it to 100 and then kind of leave it at that level? Yes. Okay. And what are your thoughts? So you're 51 now, correct? Correct. So over the next five years, do you want to assume that your income stays flat at that 200 level a couple years from now? Or do you want to bump it up cost of living or bump it up by some percentage yeah, over the next five years? Yeah, let's bump it up at least by the cost of living. Okay. So let me just put in... 85,000, not 850,000, 85,000 for calendar 2020. And then we'll bump it to the $100,000 level for the year after that. Okay, and actually that's great. So I, I by default, the software will make a cost of living adjustment to your income. Some people want to run it a little bit more conservatively and they want to, um, you know, ignore cost of living increases or if their employer hasn't historically done that. What about bonuses? You had a bonus from your prior employer on your last tax return. So this new job, it's commission, but no bonus. Okay. So commissions, I'm going to call this commissions just so we remember what we did 2021 and beyond. And we're going to leave that at a hundred thousand. So I'm going to, I had a bonus in there from you just because I saw it on your tax return. So I'll delete that. And then I'm going to come back to that line item in a moment that's zeroed out, which I'm thinking, I think I know what that is, but hold on a second. 2021, we're assuming that your commissions are up to that hundred K and that will be the same until retirement at that mm -hmm. level with cost of living adjustments. And there's a report that we're going to look at in a, in a few minutes, which you'll love because it's a spreadsheet report. And based on your occupation, I know you're going to love spreadsheets where we'll confirm that these assumptions are in there properly. I just saw something on your tax return from 2018 about uh, category, categorized as an IRA pension or annuity distribution of about $18,500. That was converting from a standard IRA to a, to Roth, a Roth Okay. IRA. Do you intend to do that annually ongoing? No. Okay. That's so, the end of that. So I'm going to remove that. You know, I'm, I'm glad you, for... You have a large amount, you have a large percentage of your net worth in Roth dollars. Mm -hmm. And it's really wonderful to see actually. Um, and it's it's a, unusual and it's wonderful to see. And I wondered if you had been doing Roth conversions. We can yes. talk about that a little okay. bit more when we get there, but that's great. Um, okay, so I think I have income in there properly, current. 
And then uh, what about if you retire at 56, is that a full retirement for you with no income beyond or is there any sort of part-time work that you want to factor in or just even if you part work part-time, we're ignoring that? We're going to ignore that for now. Okay. Perfect. I, um, that's the, that's the type of assumption where it's great to run again, along the lines of running the model conservatively. It's great to leave that out, even if it might happen. And then if you need to, you can always build that in later. Like, okay, let's give you some, t like, you know, if the plan doesn't end up looking perfect uh, on the first run, we can kind of come back and give someone some targets with regards to, okay, yeah, it looks like part-time work might be necessary. And here's like, here's a range of what you might need to earn in order to pull off this success and for how many years. So for now, let's put a placeholder that we talked about it. Okay. Um, but we want to sign a number to it. Part-time work question mark. Okay. Um, Social Security, you had given me your statement. Um, you're, oh, I'm, I'm assuming you're very well read in, in the subject of finance. I'm assuming you're aware of the options available to you with regards to collecting Social Security. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm just going to run through it really quickly for our listeners. So <clears throat> um, for people that are Social Security eligible, which most people are, um, at least partially, um, you have the option of collecting anytime between age 62 and 70. However, for someone that is working beyond 62, if your earnings from work are greater than, geez, I think it's about 15,500, something in that range that, that might be a year dated, but something in the 15 to $16,000 range, if you earn more than that and you're working beyond 62, but but you're younger than your full retirement age, which for which for people is between age 66 and 67. So if you're if you're in those years where you're where you're older than 62 but younger than your full retirement age and you're still working, you don't want to collect Social Security generally. If your income, you definitely don't want to collect Social Security if your income is more than about 15 or 16 thousand a year because there's an offset and you'll re, you'll lose your you'll lose part of your Social Security benefit, and um, so you'll want to likely want to. Uh, collect when you stop working. But if you're working beyond your full retirement age, which for you, Bridget, is 67, um, then you can collect Social Security and earn as much money from work as you can. And there's no offset there's no reduction in your social security benefit. Um, so there's a financial incentive for people to delay collection of social security because that the uh, amount increases by, a, by after full retirement age, 8% per year until age 70. And before full retirement age, it's almost 8% per year, which is, so there's a, there's a seven or 8% per year um, benefit for delaying your social security. So however, you know, there are some people that retire on the younger side that might want um, to collect on the earlier side so that they reduce their draw from their portfolio. That might be something that, um, oh, I just had something in my mouth, that, you know, that, that there, it sometimes is appropriate to collect early and that's so that you can alleviate a draw on a portfolio and not drain things too quickly early on in retirement. So we're not, sometimes with social security, I start somewhere, but I kind of come back to it because I don't, I, I sort of need to know what the big picture looks like in order to make a recommendation for social security. Um, so I, first of all, do you have an inclination? I'm assuming sure. you have thought I, about this. I have, but I'm not an expert. <laughs> okay. So my plan was to start taking social security at age 70. Yep. But 
I think we should maybe we should start there yep. and then based on the analysis, if you find that it would be beneficial for me to start taking earlier. We can come great. back and change yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, so, so, yep. So we can certainly do that. Sometimes I just put in the full retirement age as a default. <laughs> um, and common misconception, by the way, sometimes I ask people, like I asked you earlier, when do you want to retire? And you immediately had an answer, which is great. Some people don't, but some people say, well, you know, they, they think that social security tells them when they have to retire. And they'll say, well, my social security statement says 66 and a half. And I'm like, well, it, it doesn't, your retirement doesn't necessarily have to line up with when you can collect social security. And first of all, people can collect before then, but um, just a, just a sort of a, uh, something I chuckle about every once in a while. Um, so, okay, for, for you, Bridget, your age 70 social security. So that's the latest retirement age. Uh, age 70 social security is 38.15 a month. So I will put that in there. We can always come back and change it. Um, so I like to be pretty conservative with my inflationary adjustments on social security going forward. Social security is not a financially, is not projected to, it, at, at its current structure, is not a financially stable system. And so something's gonna have to give there in the coming decade and, uh, or hopefully sooner. And I don't know if it's going to start being means tested. I don't know if, um, the, if there will be blanket reductions in benefit. I don't know if cost of living adjustments will start to be non-existent um, or smaller, but something, or if taxes will be raised, that's probably the way that it will go. But um, I like to be pretty conservative with my cost of living adjustment assumptions when I enter social security, because it, in the last, um, it, it over time, there have been cost of living adjustments on social security benefits in years where we've had inflation, though I don't necessarily think it has quite kept up with the real cost of living. So like we've assumed a 3% inflation rate um, going forward for your plan, Bridget, I'm gonna use, I, we can change this, but by default, I would use like a one and a half percent cost of living adjustment on social security benefits. So just to model that a little bit more conservatively, because I think something's gonna have to give, something is going to have to give in that change in that system. And if it's cost of living adjustments, I want to be prepared for that when I do a model. Are you okay with that assumption? I agree with that. Okay. Um, and it's 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 interesting when I model when I do retirement planning for younger people, like in their, um, you know, the thirty something clients that I have, or I even have a few clients that are real go getters in their late twenties, and um, and it's it's hard it's hard to know if this, if social security will be different 40, 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now, um, when those people are in retirement. So I, for those people, I might, you know, first of all, be conservative with cost of living adjustments, but also, um, you know, maybe I reduce the benefit that we see on the statement by X percent just to be very conservative because I don't, I mean, I don't know how it will change, but I, I think means testing is certainly on the table. And that, in other words, people with significant assets might have reduced benefits benefits. And, you know, this is, I think many years in the future, and I don't think you necessarily need to worry about it, but, um, just something to, just something to think about for people on the younger side. Of course, my software is frozen at the moment, but, um, I don't know if I'm on, I'm connected to my phone's Wi-Fi. I don't know if that's, or my hotspot. Well, if it doesn't work, we'll close it and start over. Let's see. Sometimes we have technical difficulties. Uh-oh. Well, I'll jump on the, um, no worries. 
the site can't be reached. I don't know if it's my Wi-Fi or... Um, hold on, people. It's okay. Oh, I was on... You know what? I was on the Wi-Fi here at the station. Let me jump on the hot, my hotspot. Okay, there we go. That looks like it's going to work. Oh, here we go. Perfect. Okay. We just have to jump out and jump back in. And the software has a pretty good autosave function, so we should be good. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no. If, if we lost anything, it's probably one piece of data or something. So no worries. Okay, here we go. We're back in. Um, and just while I'm getting back in here, I'm, uh, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. Oh, we do have a break here coming up in a minute anyway. That was actually perfectly timed. Um, I'm talking with Bridget, uh, stage name, of course. She's a real life person. And, uh, and uh, she volunteered to do some on-air planning. Um, so we are, uh, work and I hadn't met Bridget before today and it has been lovely to meet you. Um, and we're working through a real life, we're creating a retirement plan for her live on air as a, as a fun exercise and, um, as a way for me to demonstrate the planning process and the importance of the planning process and to help people understand what it means to have a financial plan. Cause unfortunately I think there's still a lot of people that don't, um, even if they're at an age where it would be appropriate. And so, um, we look for volunteers every once in a while, uh, to run these models. So we're working through data entry part of the process. Now we'll get into some reporting and modeling, which is a very fun part. Uh, but that music signals that we're just taking a quick break. You're listening to McNamara on Monday. We're just going to be back in a couple minutes. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and we're doing some financial modeling this morning. The... Um I, I was I'm I was up late last night. Forgive me. I was losing my words, but I um I was just about to say that this is of all the thing of all my responsibilities and all the things I do in my practice. This is um this is the most fun for me. This is what I get the most enjoyment out of, and and I really um I just really enjoy this process, and it's uh you know obviously mutually beneficial because it's 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 you know uh, we we manage money for people as well, but this is um like an incredible value for people in creating a plan like this and having that sort of hopefully security that you know goals to work towards and and hopefully having that financial security um is is really invaluable for people so this is i just i just love it basically that's what i was trying to say and i was trying to say it eloquently but you know you can't go to bed at midnight and wake up at 5 30 and you know be in, be at your best so <laughs> i apologize for that everybody uh tis the season so um all right so i am here with uh our volunteer bridget and we are working through data entry um and we had a little a little uh, software interruption here, but we're all good now. We're back online. So um, we were talk. We talked about social security. We're we're at the we're talking about cash flow. So we've um, gone through some data entry. We have uh, income now. We have income in the future. For a moment, we're going to assume that uh, Bridget collects social security on at her latest collection date of age seventy, which is. Um, which means that she'll get the most monthly income from Social Security of all the ages she could collect. Um, but real quick, have you done a break-even calculation on Social Security? If anyone has, I would bet it's you. No. Okay. <laughs> so on that's the a action new, item that's list a new, now. New, <sighs> yes, a new project for you. So, you know, I... Um, there's lots of ways in my mind to analyze when to collect Social Security, but one way is from strictly a 
maximizing my benefit from the Social Security Administration perspective. And in order to do that, it's, you know, you, if you collect at 62, versus collecting at, let's say 67, your full retirement age versus collecting at 70, you know, the, the, the years of collection is different, but the amounts are greater as you wait. So if you spreadsheet them, three columns, right? Yeah. Or however many columns you want, and you figure out when they're going to break even, in other words, how many years do you have to live if you collect at 70, how many years do you have to live in order to break even with collecting at 62? Wait, so I'm you have do done it. it. No, you're I gonna do it. But I'm going to. You're gonna do it. Do you want me to tell you what the answer is? Yes. It's it's your statistical life expectancy. Oh, okay. So, which makes sense. How, how which makes sense. How else would they? Right, right? exactly. So I can save you a little bit of work. I yes. feel like you might still do it because it's kind okay. of fun. But it's right around your statistical life expectancy, which for a female age fifty one is probably eighty two, eighty three, something like that. Mm -hmm. So it will okay. break. So you know, if you think about it, the Social Security Administration doesn't know anything about you and your health and your. Lunch, at Habits. least, at least currently, right? <laughs> these, you know, Social Security income is not individually underwritten. It's it's based on your life. They can base they base it on your life expectancy. So, if it's you, call me if it's anything different from that, and I'll we'll, I'll check your calculations. But okay. it should be it, it breaks even right around your statistical life expectancy. Okay. Um, which means that if you think you will live a long life, like we've assumed for you, you would like to plan to age 100, then waiting to 70 is financially more beneficial for you. Right. Larger benefit for a longer period of time. If someone, it's an awful thing to think about, but doesn't think that they will make it to their statistical life expectancy. That, so for them, collecting social security earlier would be more beneficial in terms of maximizing your benefit from that, from the social security administration. So yeah, that'll be a fun okay. exercise for you. And you call me if it's different. Um, okay, so one thing that, and nope, any fixed pensions for you? I didn't see anything about that. No pensions. Okay. Yep, no, and that's not uncommon these days. Yep. All right, so we are just gonna work through some um, expenses for a moment just because um, I didn't have those in advance and that's okay. Let me just, hold on, get to your uh, little budget. Oh, it's right there on the bottom. Um, Sometimes, so for, for, there's a couple ways to, the best way to enter someone's expenses. And actually I have this conversation quite a bit. So <clears throat> first of all, there are sometimes, ideally, someone fills out like a like an expense itemization worksheet for me, which is what you did. Traditionally, this is called a budget worksheet, right? I don't like that term budget. It has like a negative connotation. So I like, this is just an itemization of expenses. Some people don't um, have the time or the or haven't had the inclination to to fill out a budgeting or an expense worksheet. Some people don't track it. Some people track them with a software. Do you? No. no? Okay. Um, that's okay. That's not uncommon. And there are ways for us to estimate expenses based on um, your you know your ability to accumulate cash, your what your 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 savings habits are. Um, I can look at a tax return and help someone estimate what their expenses are. Um, but the best but those are just estimates really. And the best way for us to model accurately is to really have someone itemize. And I like that because some people get a little bit uncomfortable with that because, well, for whatever reason, it's a, it's a personal thing, but I, you know, I do this so many times a day that, and, and there's never any judgment 
from mm-hmm. a financial advisor and certainly in me in particular, I, I, would, I don't ever comment on this is too high, this is too low. That's not my job. My job is to take someone's life and, and make a plan for them. And if it gets to, you know, you know, you know, in order for someone to have a successful plan, sometimes it's, well, can you cut expenses either now or later? And, so, you know, sometimes I have to have those conversations. It's not my job to say where. It's my job to say this would be helpful for you to cut expenses and then you figure out where because it's your life and that's not my job. Um, having said that, some people want me to comment on their expenses and I'm generally kind of like, no, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. You know, I, 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 you know, so I just, um, so my point is don't ever feel bad. Um, I don't think people should feel bad giving this information to a financial professional because, first of all, we do it so many times a day that it's it's uh, it's just numbers it's to like us. You're right? a doctor it's, of yeah, numbers, exactly. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So anyway. Um, yeah, so before I had just, and some people kind of just give me like a broad credit card category or, um, and we can do it that way. But I like one other reason I really like the itemization process is, well, I am a numbers person and I guess I feel more comfortable with it, but also because there are things in your life, there are expenses in your life that will change in the future. And we want to be able to account for that. Um, just, you know, an easy one is um, uh, health healthcare related expenses. For most people, there's a change. For you, there will be a change at retirement and then there will be a change again at 65 when you're Medicare eligible. Um, Another one is like for people that have kids. Do you have kids by the way? No. Okay. For people that have kids, I'll just use this as an example. Uh, You know, they have kid related expenses for X number of years and even, even as they get into college and out of the house, maybe there are still some kid related expenses, but then at some point hopefully for people, those go away. So that's just another example of something that Um, we want to be able to make a change to. And if I don't have an itemization, it's harder to do that. Um, All right, so I'm just going to spend some time. So I already put your mortgage in there, Bridget. So I have your principal, actually, I'm skipping to the next screen. So I have your, the principal balance of your mortgage based on the statement that you gave me, about 194,000. Your interest rate is very reasonable, 2.75. And this is your principal and interest payment, 2274. So one thing that I have to bring up is that I own the home in partnership. So my oh. portion is half. So so that's Oh, got it. Okay. okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Thank you. So I'm going to I'm going to cut your balance in half because okay. you're responsible for half of the right. balance. Um, so what's that? 97,000 is half of that. And then is that exactly half? 1340, So 1340, that must I, include escrow? That includes the taxes. That includes escrow, yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna put the property tax, are you responsible for half of the property taxes as well? That's correct. Okay. So I'm gonna take your principal and interest of 2274, I'm gonna divide that by two, and I got 1137. So that should amortize, you have about eight years left on your mortgage. So that's, okay, I just wanted to make sure the amortization was um, still the same, and it is. We cut the balance in half, but also cut the principal and interest payment in half. Um, You'll see on this screen, I do have, I don't don't know the actual value. I think this was a Zillow value of your property. what is, so 
first of all, the soft, when I enter a value of a property in the software, the software does not by default spend any equity in a real estate property. We can model using equity in a real estate property either via sale or taking equity out. Um, but by default, any value that I have in here is not used in your plan. It's not consumed. So number one, unless we model selling this property, the value right. is almost irrelevant. Um, is this a fair ballpark value, yes. 575000 mm-hmm. for your home? Okay, I wasn't sure what the cost basis is, which is what you paid for it. But again, it's irrelevant if we're not modeling a sale. So actually, let's let's continue on that for a moment. For this model, first of all, do you have any any intentions of selling this home in the coming years? When I retire, we're okay. going to sell. Okay, and then what's the plan? Travel. And then and after traveling, then maybe renting. Oh, I love this. This is different actually. This okay. is Oh, I love this. It's a little bit non-traditional, yeah, but that's yeah, great. I no, that's actually have a really fun a model. Desire to own. Okay. So, let okay. Um, oh, this is so fun, Bridget. <laughs> I, oh, okay. So, first of all, I mo- shall I model half of the value of the property as yours? Yes. Okay. Um, why can't I do that math in my head? 300 mm. and less than 300,000, 285,000, 287,000. Something like that, right? Right. 575. I think that's actually correct. Yeah. I told you I went to bed late. It's fine. Of course. <laughs> uh, 575,000. Yeah. 287.5. That's what I was missing. I was missing the 287.5. No, it doesn't. Actually, we'll Pretty put close. it in there. 287.5. What did you purchase that property for? I think it was 415. Okay. So you won't, you won't, we don't have to worry about capital gains on the property. Oh, so half of that. Right. 207. Okay. Um, you're responsible for half of the property taxes. You already said that, right? That's right. And I pulled that. I think you were escrowing 500 a month, so I just pulled uh, 6,000 roughly annually. Okay. So we, we are modeling a sale. So in the year, so down here, we can model sale of the asset. Uh, the sale date will be, should we... Easy just to line it up with retirement? Yes, exactly. Okay, just to line it up with the year of retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, selling costs is like uh, cost of a real estate agent, maybe moving costs, okay. which you'll have. The, sometimes I use about a 5%. This will default to a 7 That might factor in some um, moving related expenses. Um, Let's use let's use 6%. I think 7 might be a little bit high. I think real estate commissions are, generally speaking, in the 5% range. And then we're going to just direct that to cash flow. Okay, um, so for a moment, so we're going to model sale of the of the primary residence at retirement, and then at some point in your future, we're going to bring in rental expenses. Is that immediate, or are you thinking like you're going to travel the world for a year, and then we're going to travel for a year, not the world, but for a year? Oh my gosh, that, that's without, amazing! Throughout North America. That's awesome. I love this plan. Okay. So, and then when you begin renting somewhere in today's dollars, what is that rent? How much is that rent? Is this, is this on the East coast, the West coast? Is this, okay. Um, yeah. Um, I, I guess I would uh, two to 3000 a month. It, yes. I mean, it dep- I think oh, it yeah. depends on where you are. If you're going out to San Francisco, I don't know if that's five thousand a month or more, right? or right. if it's if it's downtown Boston, it's more. I mean, I don't um, suburbs. Suburbs, okay, mm-hmm. all right. So New England suburbs. Yep. Okay. So I would say twenty five hundred a month at least, right? At least. Okay, three thousand. Uh, Let's do three thousand. 
be safe. Actually, for your benefit, it might. That's potentially a big variable, actually, in your plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, if your rent ends up being, you know, fifteen hundred a month in uh, North Carolina versus four thousand, five thousand a month in a in a, in a um, Milton, or I mean, right? You know, like that. That's a pretty big variable. Um, so let's. Can, do you want to use three thousand a month now? Is that yes. fair enough? Okay. The 000. software will inflate that. So I'm going to use three thousand a month in today's dollars, and I'm going to start that at retirement and have that go indefinitely. Do you know? One thing that we haven't talked about is that it's going to be split. Remember? Oh, fair enough. Thank you. That's yeah. right. That's right. So, um, fair enough. So we could either so, do ultra conservative two thousand a month. Yeah. Let's do. I'm just going to indicate that this is rent and it's your half. Okay. So if we assume you're in a $4,000 a month uh, rental, then your portion is $2,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Okay. So $2,000 a month in today's dollars at retirement and going indefinitely. And unfortunately in the software, the keyword is deaf for indefinite. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> um, And for lack of, you know, who, who knows what will happen in the rental market in your lifetime, but right. we'll just apply co- regular cost of living adjustments to that. I don't know that we could do anything else. Um, okay, so I have that. I have sale of property and for the equity in the property. I'm just direct for a moment. I'm directing it to what's called cash flow, and then we'll check out whatever surplus that is. And we'll put it in your assets. We'll do that. We'll do that in uh, in a few minutes. Okay, good. So you had given me um, the rest of your expenses. That's great. You had given me, you typically buy cars every nine years. Um, You gave me some auto related expenses. So um, Tim, can you play like a Christmas song or something while I add (laughs) some numbers? Can you like sing us a Christmas tune, Tim? (laughs) Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. I love it. But as long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it Um, snow. Tim, you actually have a very, very very nice, nice thing. Oh, thank you. Wow. <laughs> I, have, have you done any caroling so far this year? No, just uh, a few years of uh, lots of karaoke in the past. Oh, gosh, yeah. love karaoke. Yeah. How about We're, some Brenda Lee? Do you want some more music? Or um, I Actually, I do need like a minute. Can you play a clip of a couple Christmas songs? Yeah, I do need like a minute to just do some sure. math and that will super bore people. Yeah. All right, awesome. Okay. Give us a moment, people. Yep.
neighbor's tree Have a happy holiday for that lovely Christmas tune, Tim. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You are listening to a financial talk radio show, McNamara on Money, uh, but I'm here live in studio with a volunteer, um, Bridget, and we're working through uh, creating a financial model for her. So for a moment, we needed a break to do some um, calculations and add up some numbers, and we thought that um, that lovely Christmas carol would make for better radio than us talking about adding uh, 900 plus 2,000 plus <laughs> 450 plus. Uh, so anyway, so um, we're in... In the the data entry uh, portion of this uh, process here and wrapping it up hopefully very soon um, but for uh, right now we're working on um, Bridget's expenses and she gave me an itemization and this is great and I was talking beforehand about some things will change so um, we have to talk about healthcare in a moment Bridget obviously that will change um, and maybe we'll talk about long-term care if we have time today. So what was that one? That 3,600 down there was, um, th- no, uh, hold on. It was, 
1800. No, it wasn't this one. It was the per, it was this one, the miscellaneous. Okay. Yeah. Okay, it, gotcha. we, so we separated out charity. So that was, um, I'll call that miscellaneous. Yeah. So, um, for Bridget, she item, we have her, um, mortgage property taxes itemized and that change of, um, sale of property and rent popping in in retirement. Um, Bridget has about $13,000 of home ownership related expenses, like home, home improvement, renovations, grounds, maintenance, things like that. Um, and so we, we put that in separately because of what we talked about before those Christmas tunes that Bridget is intending to sell her property. And then, um, she doesn't want to be a homeowner anymore. She's, we're putting some rental expenses in her life going forward. So we're going to eliminate those home ownership expenses. We're keeping utilities in there. Like she has 2,300 dollars a year for utilities and things. And we'll keep that in going indefinitely, but the home ownership related expenses in this model will go away as you transition to being a renter versus an owner. Gosh, that sounds lovely, doesn't it? To not yes. have to worry about those things. Oh. Yeah. Um, all right. And then we had, um, we have just food dining out. We have that category here, that number. Yep. Looks looks appropriate, a little bit less than 9,000 a year. Uh, Bridget indicated that she purchases a car about every nine years and you spend about $20,000 out of pocket. Um, so I've modeled that. When When is your next car due though? Like how many, when My should we start? My current car is four years old. Oh, so exactly 2025. Actually, that would be, yeah, 2025, which is what I have in there already. So that is great. Um, so the software will like capitalize those purchases. So every nine years, it'll pull a lump from in your from the portfolio as that lines up with the year of retirement. So um, you'll, you'll see that when we analyze the cash flow report in a moment. Um, and then we had, let's see, food. We had auto, you know, gas and um, insurance, excise taxes, those things, we have that in there. We have your pets category in there. Yep, that looks about right annually. We have um, your personal stuff, clothing, hair, nails, stuff like that. Um, oh, travel. Do we have travel in there? Hold on. Personal. You know what? I added... I added travel in with personal. I'm gonna call this personal and travel, but because you're planning to travel for the first year of retirement, we're gonna to need to put in an extra expense for that. So- That's correct. Ha have yeah, you got- this is, this is when I'm not doing that year of travel, that 6,000 right. is for- So is this 6,000, <laughs> like that's roughly how much you spend now on travel? No. That's what you anticipate spending anticipate after you- retirement. Okay, what, okay, all right. So do you, do you spend more or less than that traveling now? Less. So by how much? Half of it? I would say 4000 per so year 4, now. So 4000 per year. So I'm going to call that um, for 5500 now. And then we're going to add an extra travel expense by $2,000 in retirement. But after that first year, extra travel. And then when you spend your first year of retirement traveling... How much does that cost you? Have you planned it out at all? Where no, you're not going? At all. No. Potentially a big variable because are are you you spending a week in a new city or are you spending a month in a new city or So we're gonna get a van and we're gonna drive around the country. Oh, I love camping. this. And so Okay. Know, should we say thirty thousand dollars? Yeah, I was gonna say okay. Yep. yep, yep, yep. How much does the van cost itself? Yeah, we're gonna have to put the van in there. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I think um, it's like eighty thousand dollars for this van. So can I group the purchase of the van in with the cost yes. of that? So I would call that a hundred and ten thousand yes. dollars in that year. Mm -hmm. Okay. First what I'm gonna do is though that extra you mentioned that six thousand of travel, that's a little bit I have to just bump that up by two thousand in retire the year after retirement. We have this keyword in the software that makes that pretty easy. 
Um, yep, and that will go for a moment. Tra- travel is an example of an expense. We haven't had this conversation yet regarding expenses, but the software will, de- we talked about inflation earlier. The software will assume that all the expenses I put in here, unless we make adjustments, will inflate indefinitely until the end of the plan. We can make adjustments to any of that. Travel is an example of something that for many people, as you approach age 80, 90, 100, will either subside or disappear. So sometimes, stop it, is it time for a break already? Oh my goodness, okay, we're gonna touch on that and then we are pretty much wrapped up with data entry except we just have to get to the assets. My name is Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. We are doing a real live financial model today with my guest, Bridget. Brigitte. Brigitte. Um, I love it. I love it. And um, we're going to, we're just taking a break. We're finishing up with the data entry. We're going to start running some reports and doing some modeling. Um, So we're just going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. (laughs) 